Hello and welcome to Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue, the number one result on Google for Autonomous Cars podcasts. I'm Mark Hogue, a California licensed attorney, a 2X startup founder, a UCLA Bruin with a background in engineering and an economics degree, and twice a week we'll be discussing the products, tech, law, policy, and societal impacts of autonomous cars as they bring about the greatest step change in humanity since the Industrial Revolution. Hello, good morning, and welcome. It's Friday, the 12th of April, 2019. This is episode 97. We've got a very special guest today. It's Abdo Mahmoud. He's the Senior Product Manager at Effectiva. They're in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and they're doing all sorts of fascinating work in the area of driver monitoring systems, as they say very nicely on their homepage. Effectiva Human Perception AI understands all things human. So we've got a fascinating chat uh, about what they're doing with driver monitoring systems uh, broadly, but also very specifically. Um, this, of course, a very interesting point of discussion, very newsworthy of late, and in general for the next several years at least, as we try to sort of negotiate this admittedly difficult transitionary period from human-driven to autonomously driven vehicles. So I hope you're sitting comfortably. The next 30 minutes with Abdo Mahmoud, Senior Product Manager at Effectiva, begins now. By the way, I know the audio quality on these guest interviews has been a bit suboptimal, and frustratingly, today's is no better, I'm afraid. But moving forward, starting with our next guest next week, I think you're going to hear a marked improvement in audio quality because I've moved to a new recording platform. So sorry for that, but thanks very much for your understanding. All right, let's move on. Hey, real quick, I just wanted to update something I said last time in my effort to streamline the guest submission process. Um, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, or as is more often the case, you're a PR agency trying to reach out and submit a guest for the show, please just head over to markhogue.com or autonomoushogue.com. It all goes to the same place. There's a link in the top right corner under podcast guest bookings that reads submit your booking request here. Please click that link. You'll be directed to a Google form. Submit the questionnaire. That is the only way that I'll be considering guests for the show from this point forward. Thanks very much. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Abdo. Hi, Mark. Okay, great. I hear you loud and clear, so we'll get started in three, two, one, and we're live-ish. Uh, so obviously, really great of you to join me today. Uh, super excited to learn what you guys are up to. As we discussed briefly, as we got acquainted for a bit, um, you know, it's really perfect timing, this particular episode, because recently I had the chance to talk with your buddies over at Renovo, that's Christopher mm -hmm. Heiser, and... Uh, most recently, I guess on Friday, Rudy Berger, founding partner of Woodside Capital, uh, who started or, or I guess is on the board of Seeing Machines. Um, and of course, now with you, lots of work in the space of 
driver monitoring systems for autonomous cars, arguably one of the most important things, uh, at least from a certain point of view. Um, but yeah, I would love to just hand it off to you, get a bit about your background, kind of what brought you to this point, and super excited to learn what you guys are up to. Um, yeah, glad. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Mark. Um, uh, yeah, so let me get started. My name is uh, Abdul Mahmoud. I'm a senior product manager at Affectiva. Uh, I work on Affectiva's in-cabin uh, sensing platform. Uh, this is an AI-based platform that we are developing for uh, perception on what's happening inside the car. Um, that's uh, whether it's what are people are doing or more specifically doing driver monitoring in order to ensure um, people's safety. The, um, my background is actually in software engineering. I worked on Affectiva's uh, core technology development uh, for a long while before uh, transitioning into product management to help shape how this technology is getting used in the uh, automotive industry. Uh, at Affectiva, we developed uh, the ability to um, track and analyze people's facial expressions. Uh, we use that in market research to help about 25% uh, of the Fortune Global 500 companies test uh, people's reactions to advertisements or online advertisements. Uh, and then recently, about two years ago, we started working in automotive uh, using our facial expression recognition technology to uh, analyze the driver's uh, cognitive states. So more, more specifically, monitor things like, are they distracted? Are they drowsy? Um, and use that to inform the ADAS system on how to um, react. And so that's, that's generally speaking kind of the, what we do at Activa and my background. Got it. So, so something presumably then a little bit more than the coffee cup icon that Mercedes show you when they think you're sleepy. Correct. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, our, actually, our goal is to try to build systems uh, or to build systems that can um, inform the ADAS system on the actual state of people uh, and uh, react, which means that they have to be accurate enough and they also have to be um, accurate enough to work on a diverse set of people. Uh, so we collect data from about uh, all around the world, around 87 different countries in order to actually build these systems um, in order to make sure that they are uh, operating robustly. And then we, we do things like, um, at Affectivo, we do things like um, doing the analysis across different um, age and gender groups in order to be able to actually assess the model's uh, bias, for instance, or its performance across different groups. Mm -hmm. So let me back up for a moment. I want to come back to the high-level point of view for just a moment, uh, if I may. So at a high level, here, here's what I'm seeing, right? So there's obviously a lot of discussion insofar as the need for driver monitoring systems generally for mm -hmm. autonomous cars. But yeah. and, and I guess I'm just going to drop this bombshell of a question on you. Isn't this an interim need? And therefore, is it not an interim solution for an interim need? Here's what I mean. Obviously, and I think you see where I'm going with this question. Obviously, once we have fully level five autonomous vehicles on the road, which admittedly is, what, 10-ish years away before they start to roll out, and they're 15, 20 years before they're kind of everywhere. I get that. But nevertheless, once we have level five vehicles, is this need for driver monitoring not per se totally unnecessary by definition and therefore what happens to this technologies uh and this need once we do have a level five world 
Yeah. Uh, so, so as you mentioned, the the need for driver monitoring uh, is going to diminish as you go towards. Um, more, more specifically towards cars that are fully autonomous, level five cars where they take you from point A to point B without you having to drive uh, at all. For us, generally speaking, the, the what's happening inside the car is not just about um, doing doing driver marching. It's about monitoring all of the people in the car or the, the autonomous cars will have uh, other... Um, other actually other challenges like for instance one of the things that people are very concerned about is how uh, how do you experience nausea in the car you're supposed to be in a car that allows you to multitask but for a certain part of the population of the world they are going to experience motion sickness so how do you how do you detect signs of that and have the car um, react to that. It well, also, well, I got to tell you, my, my wife would love that already. She, she tends yeah. to get motion sick a lot, less so now than I guess when she was younger. But yeah, uh, right. be pretty but, funny stories from her childhood days. So this makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But more fundamentally at Affectiva, we're not just focused on like higher level concepts like nausea, but also fundamentally, for instance, for, for the operations of these autonomous fleets, um, in some cases, in a lot of cases, you have to understand or the car has to understand what's happening inside the car. Where are people sitting, for instance? Uh, are there empty seats that they um, that you can have people ride along or not? Uh, is there a child seat? Do people have their seatbelt on? All of these different um, different things that the driver traditionally does in, in the car and it's their responsibility. Uh, it's going to become the autonomous vehicle's responsibility, uh, which means it needs data around what's 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 it um, seeing inside the car. Yeah, um, I mean, I think I'm missing the the use case of seatbelts since we have seatbelt sensors already, which obviously can be cheated. So maybe there's that use case. I've seen people actually cheat seatbelt sensors by putting a broken end of a seatbelt into a clip for whatever reason. But to me, what's interesting is what I'm hearing here is this would have a really powerful use case for autonomous car sharing for a lot of these use cases you described. Yes, exactly. So ride-sharing use cases or ride-sharing scenarios. Uh, For seatbelts, one of the major things that that seatbelts do is that there's a wire between the seat and the floor of the car, which makes the car a little bit less configurable. Um, And there, there are, we heard use cases around making the car more configurable by just removing that wire, uh, that hmm. safety that you wire. Okay. Uh, yeah, so that's, there are, as I mentioned, there are a lot of use cases for perception inside the car um, and, and need for essentially a system that can help provide the car with information about what's happening in, in, inside yeah, no, I get it. This is super fascinating. Um, and there's so many angles in which I'd love to take this conversation. So I think I'll just pick one somewhat at random here. So the, the lawyer in me has to jump right to the obvious question. And again, I think we should probably start high level before drilling into details. <laughs> uh, privacy. How How is this all going to be managed from a privacy point of view? Because obviously, I get it. In today's taxis, Ubers, we expect, and indeed we are told explicitly, we must be told in most, if not all states, that you are Mm -hmm. in fact on camera. I I get that. Is it simply going to be a logical extension of that where you get in the car and you're told pretty explicitly, hey, we're monitoring you for everything, even your state of mind, your emotion, your, you know, we're studying you. Is that how it's going to play out? 
so for for us, uh, I think the way that we think about this is it's going to be an opt-in uh, experience where you have to be opt-in to get recorded. But more importantly, you have to understand for us, one of the principles of um, that we use to develop our technology is that we develop on-device technology. Uh, and that is to allow us to do two things. One is ensure that people's privacy is protected by um, making sure that the context, for instance, of their emotional experience doesn't leave the device, or I guess in that case, the car, without an explicit need to. Um, so you don't have to send data to the cloud for analysis. And then the second, for sure, to allow us to enable people to build real-time applications on top of uh, our technology, uh, where you bring algorithms close enough to the data that you get real-time feedback. Um, could, could this also be presumably totally anonymized? I mean, when I'm, when I'm, I'm just totally thinking out loud here, but insofar as your cameras and various types of sensors, I'm guessing you may even have, I don't know, infrared cameras to read heat, t- you know, temperature changes on people's faces. I don't know. Um, but, but like, I'm thinking like if you're just reading someone's face, I'm assuming you're creating some sort of, uh, some sort of maybe even a depth map, maybe some sort of geometry that you're analyzing rather than the actual, say, 2D image of the face. I'm wondering, could this not, in fact, all be totally anonymized? Uh, for sure, it is. In fact, in our current platform at Affectiva, we don't keep track of um, of identity per se. Um, we don't keep track of who is um, is essentially um, is being analyzed. Uh, rather, we uh, we just analyze your face and generate data um, that around the different facial muscles that you uh, activate or or use. Like, are you smiling? You're raising your eyebrows, and so on and so forth. So, right. So, it could theoretically be something as fundamental as the 3D mesh of a face without even the texture of the face itself. Right. That would accomplish the same goal. Correct. So, effectively, we use deep learning methods to so analyze the pixels that represent the face. But yes, it's it's largely the same. Um, the same concept uh, where you're just analyzing, uh, you're generating streams of data uh, based on the pixels um, that, 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 that represent your face. Gotcha. I see. Um, quick aside, just for a moment, because I know I'll forget, as you'll see, it's not an important question, but I just, I really need to ask you this question. What is your theory for the little tiny camera inside a Tesla Model 3? Um. Uh, in theory, on why do they have it there? Why is there a camera there which is not active? And more particularly, why do the other Tesla models not have it? Well, I, I believe Elon actually commented on that at, at some point um, earlier this month. Uh, he, he mentioned that the camera is there for... Oh, right, for the, for the ride-sharing purposes. That, you know, I forgot I read that as well. Yes, yes. <laughs> actually, which makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah. Um, you want to be able to to see what's happening inside the car. Actually, for, for cases where the car is fully autonomous, maybe even identify that there is a something in the car that doesn't belong to the car. So you sent the car to be cleaned, for instance. You know, no, it's um, funny. I've gotten so used to asking this question. I, I forgot that I had also read the same thing. And I just, <laughs> that's true. But, yeah. but admittedly, until, until he made that announcement, there was a lot of speculation insofar as, first of all, why does only the Model 3 have it, but not the other cars and so on. So, so it seems to me then that if indeed it's going to be used for ride sharing, then that's at least, if not a viable, um, I guess, partner case for you guys, it certainly is a validation of the need for what you guys are doing insofar as this continuous monitoring of the inside of a ride-shared vehicle. Correct. And it's, it's not the only 
um, only implementation. No, You'll see more of those uh, over the next couple of years uh, or so. Um, the first generation implementation of all of this is, is going to just be focused on the driver. Um, and with following the, um, the idea that we want to ensure that the driver is safe and they are not falling asleep behind the wheel, um, they're paying attention and having situational awareness of, uh, of the car, of the, the, the situation they are in, even if the car is driving itself in kind of limited geofenced areas or even in uh, limited situations. But then as the, uh, the need for the driver decreases, uh, the, the, these cameras are going to be employed for other things, uh, like making sure that uh, people are seating uh, comfortably in the car, um, seeing who's seating where, maybe using the, the camera to identify a person and adjust the seating positions based on that. Uh, maybe using the camera also to identify that a person is falling asleep at the back and, and dimming the the lights while uh, while they're sleeping and, and so on. There's a lot of basically at Africa we hope that at some at, that all of this is going to lead to more personalized experiences inside the car because the 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 branding for for the uh, OEMs is going to be more around experience and less around how the car drives uh, if the car if all of the cars drive uh, itself uh, and that's that's essentially our theory. Yeah, no, I, I was just going to touch on that as well. So that, and that makes perfect sense. I mean, obviously you're right. Once all cars are electric, uh, once all cars are at least level four, let alone level five, it's it's true. There's going to be. <laughs> I've always joked. How, how is BMW going to change their marketing? you know, their slogan, the ultimate driving machine, how is it going to adapt? Obviously they're going to have two different lines of cars. I get that. But, but the point is you're right. It's going to need, there will be a need to really kind of differentiate based on the interior vehicle experience, because of course, effectively these will be offices or houses on wheels, I guess you could say. Um, so, so it sounds then that this technology you guys are developing could really go a long way, a long way towards kind of furthering uh, I guess automobile manufacturers to think in new ways about their vehicles. Correct, um, and that's that's what we work on with OEMs um, and U- UX teams within within the uh, OEMs to try to uh, build these next generation experiences. But again, as I mentioned, and as you mentioned, actually the 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 this, the other uh, set of use cases are going to be essential for autonomous vehicles to operate in the wild um, and uh, having information about what's in the car is going to be essential for uh, these um, these automated systems whether it's again a level two car or or a level three car making sure that the driver is aware of what's happening uh, even though it's driving itself. Uh, or in a level five car, when you are um, you have a you want to have an understanding on did you have a child in the back seat? Did you leave them um, and so on? Mm-hmm. So, so here's a question that just came to mind, and I realize it sounds almost like a trick question. That's not my intent. So sorry if it's overly broad. <laughs> um, one of the questions that's kind of turned up a lot in the past what 14 months or so I've been doing this podcast is this this curious um this kind of difficult situation in which as autonomous cars start to flood the streets how they will best 
communicate with pedestrians or, or rather I should say it the other way around now pedestrians will best be able to communicate with the cars. And I say communicate, I don't mean literally, I, I mean, in terms of, well, so for t- today, for example, if a pedestrian wants to cross the street, well, I guess most folks don't tend to do this anymore, but I was raised don't cross the street until you made eye contact with the driver. Um, <laughs> you know, I know there's a company in, uh, is it, is it voyage? Who are the guys who have the big bright orange vans? I forget now in Arizona, I think, no, it's not voyage. Um, drive ai perhaps um you know they've, they've kitted out their cars with lcd screens so the cars can effectively communicate to pedestrians um on the other mm-hmm. hand there's yeah. this question of how do you stop a bunch of say uh, thugs or criminals from simply encircling an autonomous car forcing it to come to a stop so they can commit a crime totally right. thinking out loud here is there any possible use case where the ability to understand the interior of the car will in some way enable a way to communicate externally as well um thinking a bit out loud i think one of the things we, we get asked about is how do you measure things like uh, pedestrian intent you mentioned one of the major things that you do is you look at the driver and you, you see whether or not, not the driver acknowledged the the fact that you exist uh, in the world <laughs> of um, and I think this a similar model will have to um, be developed, kind of where you will have to communicate with the car, and the car has to somehow acknowledge the fact that it saw you. Um, otherwise, um, it's it's uh, going to be um, it's not going to work. I think ultimately, also one of the things we 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 work on at Affectiva is what does it mean for the for the people inside the car to not have it have control. Mm-hmm. Um, trust between the car and the, the driver and the car, uh, that the car knows what it's doing. And that, for instance, it saw the pedestrian um, and sending that acknowledgement, not just to the pedestrian, but also to the people inside the car. Hey, by the way, I saw the person. Um, yeah, yeah. That that's a good point. Cross and um, I'm, doing something about it um otherwise people are going to disengage the autonomy like yeah how do you how do you build that trust and it's it's kind of a two-way trust where you have to have the car trust that you're aware of what's happening um and that you can take over control when it when it when you need to uh, and then the other way around where you trust as a driver trust the car that is doing what it's supposed to be doing um in, in while it's while it is in control yeah that makes sense um but um hmm. but but if we if we assume a deployment of level four and well let, let's just focus on level four cars which by defi- by definition of course are geofenced um and if we accept that the vast majority of deployed level four cars will be on certain streets freeway lanes boulevards etc and not everywhere then as i've been saying recently that's really no different to a train on some tracks, right? Right. And one could argue that, well, passengers in a train don't have the ability, nor are they even communicated with the train itself, let alone the train operator, the the conductor. So I guess what I'm saying is if a bunch of autonomous level four cars are effectively driving on tracks on these geofenced roads, then doesn't that at least potentially negate so, so just to be clear, I'm actually agreeing with what you guys are, what you're saying. I actually like what you're describing. I'm just asking, does it not potentially negate the need for that in the first place? 
Yeah, but I, I guess the main difference between the two uh, cases is in the case of the train, you implicitly trust the conductor to what she's supposed to be doing uh, versus, versus when it's an autonomous car, um, how do you trust that system? Uh, I think the level of trust is, is, is going to be developed over time, but I see. Uh, mm -hmm. you have to have enough information uh, to be able to, um, to, to kind of make sure that you're safe. Otherwise, your experience is not going to be good. And, and it's, it's not about just driving in, in an autonomous uh, pod. It's, it's about like how, how do you make sure that the experiences of the people inside the car um, are good so they come back and ride that car uh, and not opt out of that experience. Um, and that's, I think, what's keeping a lot of OEMs and um, up, up in, at night like, trying to make sure that they develop the best experiences inside the car in that new world where the car is driving itself and, yeah, you have to have new HMI for that. Sure. No, that makes sense. Well, well speaking of which, um, are you able to share, not necessarily with names, but are you able to share at least generally have, you know, whether you've been working with any of the OEM automobile manufacturers towards this future goal of effectively highly config configurable interiors? So, so one thing I'm just thinking of, um, you know, so obviously many of today's newest cars are already really configurable but in a totally subjective sense, right, with respect to mood lighting and things like that. Um, are you able to share whether you've been in talks with further developments in future uh, car model years? Um, so I can't I can share specifically names. As no, no, far please, as that's fine. Um, I have to say one of the demos that we, one of the concepts that we worked on um, and demoed actually in CES last year as well as uh, this year, uh, is uh, you, guys, with... you guys were at CES in January? Yeah, we were. Oh, cool. uh, we I were was actually... there as well. I wish I had known about you guys then. <laughs> yeah, we were actually, actually our our technology was presented with a bunch of people on the, the floor, uh, different OEMs and tier one suppliers, um, one of which was around the concept of to the two-way trust. That was a demo with uh, Beginier uh, as part of their Live 3.0 uh, platform. Uh, and that's what monitoring, use our technology to monitor the driver's facial expressions and emotions and feed that into their two-way trust metric. Um, and it's, it's, it's very, it's essentially the concept that I was talking about earlier about the trust between the car and Thomas vehicle. Um, there were a bunch of other, other OEMs that actually demoed our, um, our technology. Uh, one of them is uh, Hyundai. Um, they demoed us as, as part of their uh, booth, um, the, 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 um, the, the concept car that was actually using facial expressions, emotions to assess the, the driver's mm -hmm. uh, level of comfort in a fully autonomous part, actually. Um, and, and yeah, so we do work with a lot of OEMs um, and tier one suppliers. And, and this, this feature is not as far as you think it is. It's actually newer than you think it is. So yeah, we're very much looking forward to that. Very cool. Well, with, with respect to your time, uh, just a reminder, it looks like we've got about five minutes here, but a soft. Um, can we talk briefly about other potential use cases? I mean, in terms of industries. So, so just looking at some of the other companies we talked about earlier at the start of this call, for example, seeing machines. I know that 
that they have a lot of discussion about potential use cases in say rail uh you know aviation that kind of thing um do, do you is that something you guys look at as well insofar as uh, other industries altogether or are you singularly focused as perhaps you for now um we are uh, focused on within automotive we're, we're focused on two kind of two major segments one of them is the cars whether it's autonomous or not autonomous a different level of levels of autonomy you actually believe have different requirements as far as um interior perception uh, all the other thing that we are focused on and very excited on is the bringing our drowsiness as well as um, distraction metrics or driver marching solution in general uh, to the fleet market. Um, this is one of the markets, especially in the long um, long haul trucking industry. Uh, the drivers drive for uh, a long period of time, and, mm. and one of the major, you know. Uh, reasons behind accidents and one of the major causes of accidents is uh, fatigue. Um, right. We people to be fatigued in these situations. So bringing um, our kind of driver monitoring solution to that market in order to help uh, decrease the uh, level and as well as the severity of accidents. That's the second market we, we talk, we're focused on. That's in addition to, for, for sure, our traditional business uh, around market research um, uh, as well. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, of course, the trucking industry is, I mean, you're right. I mean, I, I, my understanding is, of course, they try to regulate it pretty strictly with respect to, I think, what, maximum eight hours per day of driving or something like this, and it's quite tightly right. enforced. But, but you're right, even so, that is a pretty obvious use case for monitoring. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, correct. Um, Very cool. Well, yep. Well, cool. Well, uh, look, I uh, like I said, with respect for your time, you know, we're at uh, nearing the thirty-minute mark. If there's anything else you feel like sharing, I am all ears. I mean, I think it's a really big deal what you guys are up to, and frankly, I think what's really interesting is the extent to which you're moving beyond simply a camera which monitors and rather understands and interprets what's going on. That's that's pretty. That's pretty cool. That's a pretty big deal. Uh, yeah, we're we're very excited about that, but more specifically, excited about um, the idea of building technology that can actually help save lives. Um, and one of the things, as I mentioned, we focus on a lot, and is not just build that technology, but validate that it works um, across different. Um, age and gender groups. Um, diversity is a big theme within Affectiva and a big uh, focus. Um, and that's uh, why we invest a lot of time and effort making sure that our models are very robust. Um, and we, we're very excited to work with a lot of partners who are helping us build and realize that dream. Um, and we're always looking for more. Um, so, yeah, if you have an interesting project, then as an OEM or a tier one supplier and you want to work with us on it. And as far as internal perception, we love our partners and we'd love to have you. So oh, that, that sounds great. Um, I have to say, it just triggered one last question. I'd love to ask you. Uh, I was just thinking perhaps you've heard of, I think it's, I think it's scale.ai. They, they're, they're crowdsourcing a lot of uh, autonomous vehicle data. Uh, the mm -hmm. idea is that other companies should be able to learn from this data anonymized, of course. Um, I'm just curious. Again, totally thinking out loud. Is is there a is there a use case here where you can collect all this this uh, you know this camera data from 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 the various vehicles 
which can then be effectively shared anonymously with other companies because it seems like a pretty powerful gold mine of data that is uh that is for sure uh it would be an awesome goal uh believe it or not there's not a large database of uh, for internal perception, at least across that is shared across uh, different entities that work in that industry. Um, at Affective, for instance, we do our own data collection. Uh, we, we install cameras in people's uh, vehicles, mm-hmm. opt in, um, and we have like vehicles running around and da- doing data collection, and mostly in the US and in, um, and actually in, in certain parts of the Middle East uh, as well as uh, in Asia. Uh, but but that would be that would be great, and it could, it could be a data set that not just be used to um, develop models, but also to benchmark how people uh, how different systems operate and be, be kind of the the, the image net of, uh, of 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 automotive and, and internal perception. Um, so it, so I I love that idea. Um, bringing people together, um, sharing data sets. That would be amazing, actually. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, it was just an idea that occurred to me. Very cool. Well, awesome. Well, Abdul Mahmoud, Senior Product Manager, Effectiva, thank you obviously so much for your time. It's really exciting what you guys are up to, and it's uh, great to have had the chance to talk with you. So thank you very much indeed. Mark, thank you very much for having me, and uh, glad to have talked with you. Very good. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, well, that's a wrap for today. As a reminder, please be sure to follow me on all social media at Autonomous Hogue. Don't forget to search for me on YouTube and uh, be sure to subscribe to my channel. Once I hit 100 subscribers, I can get my own custom YouTube channel URL. And uh, continue to share this with your friends and colleagues and leave five stars on iTunes. And with that, have a wonderful rest of the weekend. It is Friday, so until next week, thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye.